You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Hi, everyone. It's Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst, and welcome back to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. Now, here at TREB, uh, we've identified the lack of, of missing middle housing and, and housing supply in general as a major impediment uh, to sustained housing affordability in the greater Toronto area. And, and in today's episode, we're going to focus specifically on the missing middle. In other words, we're talking about mid-density housing types that sort of fill the gap between detached uh, homes and, and high-rise condominium apartments, which, you know, by and large, have accounted for um, the, the, the great share of, of new homes that we've seen come online over the last few years and certainly account for um, a lot of the housing stock that we see built up in neighborhoods around the city of Toronto and the broader GTA uh, as well. And, and in this vein, over the last five years, TREB has commissioned a lot of research um, on the lack of, of housing supply and specifically on mid-density or missing middle housing uh, and ways to bring more of this type of housing online so we can have a sustained housing continuum uh, for both existing residents in the, in the GTA as well as uh, newcomers moving to uh, the GTA looking for a place to live, whether that be rental or ownership housing. And you'll recall in a, in a recent episode of Ready to Real Estate, we had uh, Joe Barrage and me Michelle Trochme from Urban Strategies on, and they were going through a recent report that they undertook for TREB, um, looking at a, an answer to Toronto's housing shortages. And we spoke about the missing middle and how there's a real opportunity to create uh, more housing in built-up urban areas through the development of innovative housing forms like laneway and stacked housing um, and other um, housing types. Now, to the credit of, of, of Toronto City Council, I think they get it. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, the need for more housing supply for a long time. Um, and certainly um, at the City of Toronto level, um, Council is in favour of looking at ways to bring on more of this sort of mid-density housing supply. And we're going to dig into that a little bit deeper today with Councillor Brad Bradford. And he's here to talk about expanding housing options and specifically um, case studies that were approved by Council in January uh, for neighbourhoods within, within his ward. And Brad, like me, is an urban planner, and he represents the Beaches East York Ward and sits on numerous committees, including the Planning and Housing Committee at the City of Toronto. So Brad, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast today, uh, and thanks very much for joining me. Great to be here with Jason, and this is, uh, is going to be a fun chat. Great. And let me just, uh, before we get into the topic of, of missing middle in particular, and, and I, I think it's great that you and I both come from a, a similar background, at least from an educational perspective, from, from, from planning and sort of what, uh, what sort of prompted your move from, you know, sort of being in the planning environment to, to getting into to local politics and becoming involved with, uh, you know, case studies like this one? It's a good question. You know, I, I started my career after grad school. I was working in the private sector at a consulting firm here in Toronto on urban planning projects across the country. Appreciated the variety of the work that you got to do in that space, which was really interesting. Went down to uh, Boston, Massachusetts for a few years, worked at a nonprofit down there doing community energy planning. And then I actually came back to the city of Toronto. I was in the chief planner's office doing stakeholder engagement there. And what I saw when I was close to city hall was 
you know, staff are writing the reports, uh, they are doing the policy work, sort of the nuts and bolts of planning in a traditional sense. But if you want to set the table, if you want to set that policy and provide the direction, uh, those conversations take place on the political side of things. Uh, and it was sort of 2018, I was involved in an organization called Civic Action. And, you know, some of us sometimes get frustrated with, with different things we see in the community or local government. And it was one of those, you know, stop complaining about it, put your hand up and try and do something about it. Uh, you know, two and a half years later, we're here and we're talking about Missing Middle in Toronto. That's great. And I think it's awesome that you kind of have, you know, experience on, on both sides of the coin in terms of, you know, the, the nuts and bolts planning side and, and obviously from a, from a, uh, a non-governmental perspective, you know, looking at, uh, you know, potential policy changes and what have you. But, you know, on, on the flip side of that coin also being on uh, uh, the government side where, um, you know, you're looking at these types of initiatives through the lens of, you know, your constituents um, in, in, in your particular ward and, and, and wards around the, the, uh, the city of Toronto when you're having these debates with, uh, with your, your colleagues um, in council. And, and maybe with that in mind, um, maybe just give us a little bit of a sense as uh, in, in terms of, you know, how council overall adopted um, and got on board with this concept of, of trying to bring online, you know, more missing middle uh, type of housing and, and, and particularly how that drilled down into some of these case studies, including um, looking at your award in particular. Well, it's when we take a look at the big issues in Toronto, there is really nothing more pressing than the affordability, um, affordable housing issue that we're all grappling with. You know, transportation is probably a close second mobility, how we move around the 640 square kilometers here in the city. Uh, but affordability is top of mind. And that's an issue that uh, touches everyone, whether, whether or not you are, uh, you know, in your own place right now, or you're renting, surely uh, you, maybe your kids are struggling with affordability or your parents or your neighbors. It is a story that impacts all of us. And if we think about the, the competitiveness of the region, um, all of the investment, the immigration, uh, we are a magnet for talent here in Toronto. Um, but that future success is potentially compromised by our inability to deliver, uh, you know, consistent supply and affordable housing options in Toronto. So if you set that as the baseline of the conversation, uh, the missing middle piece comes out of that. When we look at amalgamation of this city, uh, and you go back to the boroughs, you know, 20 years ago, um, we, we landed on a consolidated official plan that really reflected a grand bargain that was sort of struck with residents associations and neighborhood groups at the time that said, you know, we are going to keep the growth and the density out of our neighborhoods. We are going to direct it to our urban centers. And as a result, uh, you had the neighborhoods designation, you had uh, the, the zoning that, that was residential and, and very restrictive residential detached. And now we talk about the yellow belt. That is really the yellow belt, which goes hand in hand with the missing middle conversation. Fast forward 20 years, I don't think anyone anticipated the growth and intensification and investment that we were going to see in this city. We are now the fourth largest city in, in North America. And uh, the times have changed and our policy, our zoning, our official plan, our policies need to change with that. Um, if you look at the housing supply, if you look at the stock here in Toronto, we have uh, you know a significant number of single detached houses, um, large frontages, particularly in the, in the boroughs outside of the core, and then we have a lot of really tall towers. Um, you know the units, uh, unit numbers are increasing, the heights, the density are increasing, the actual size of those units is decreasing, and you know that's not a bad thing to have high density uh, condos and towers in, in our urban centers but it means that we have this polarized form of development. And again, back to the single detached, 
and the really tall towers and very, very little in between. There's been an effort from a planning perspective, of course, to build some growth and density out on our avenues. Mid-rise, that has been a really tough nut to crack for a variety of reasons. We can, we can talk about that too. Um, but the idea is how do we provide more housing options for more people in more places? And uh, you can go to a lot of other cities, whether we're talking Boston or New York or Montreal, and you can walk into your neighborhoods and, and find that sort of four-story ground-oriented walk-up apartment. You can see semis, duplexes, triplexes, uh, quads, and, and we don't really have a lot of that form here in Toronto, and yet it is, a, it is an option to bring more people into more communities. And... Um, the, miss, the idea behind Missing Middle and the Missing Middle pilot that's taking in Beaches East York is let's flush that out. Let's re-examine our policies, our whole development approval process, which for many reasons is prohibitive from doing that type of development. And uh, let's figure this out. Let's take this on over the next couple of years and transform the way that we're growing uh, in the city of Toronto and providing people with more options. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's important that you mentioned, you know, Toronto in the context of, of other centers in, in North America or, or even globally, because, you know, we don't grow in terms of population, but for immigration and, and, and people are attracted to the city of Toronto because, you know, we're creating jobs across a number of different sectors of the economy. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity for people. Um, and, and, and but at the same time, you know, there's a there's a an economic competitiveness issue, at least over the longer term, that if you can't provide affordable housing, whether it be rental or ownership, um, then that could stunt your economic growth um, over the over the longer term. And so, you know, thinking about a neighborhood like like East York and the beaches, I mean, it's an area where I think a lot of people moving to the, the city would want to live. I mean, I bike through that area sometimes and, and it's great. And you're right, it, it does have that sort of mixture of, you know, different types of land uses. But at the same time, you know, there is that sort of traditional traditional, uh, more single family feel, especially once you get off the main street. So thinking about particularly case studies, uh, uh, or, or, you know, within, within your area, how do you see that unfolding? And, uh, you know, in terms of the case study perspective, and, and what's the ultimate goal there? Well, you point out there that um, our neighborhoods are changing. And Beaches East York is one of those wards that you hear about where we're actually experiencing population decline. Uh, so as a whole, Toronto continues to experience prolific growth and, and you know that's hopefully the case for the foreseeable future. But there are parts of the city where population is declining, where you have an existing housing stock, uh, larger single detached homes, uh, maybe they had four or five or six people living in them. And you know, as, as kids move out, uh, we have empty nesters and, and there are actually parts of the city where population is declining. So, you know, Everybody knows that Toronto loves a good pilot. Uh, you know, we, we never want to be first on things. Uh, that, that's both frustrating and, and sometimes the, the pace of change here is a little bit, uh, uh, we take an incremental approach. But, you know, it, it's, it's important because these are really sensitive conversations. They're politically charged. Um, there are not too many things more emotional than conversations about neighborhood change uh, and, and your household. And so we have to bring people along through that process. I find that a pilot is one of the best ways to give folks a sense of what this looks and feels like. We talk about and use in our official plan, um, you know, the prevailing character. And I think that that's a, of a neighborhood. And I think that's a really sort of misleading and sometimes dangerous term. 
Um, and, and we ought to take a second look at that. It's really more a conversation about evolving character. And I think what you're going to see with the missing middle is that we can introduce new types of housing, housing options that, you know, don't undermine the look and feel uh, of, of the existing character or the prevailing character. They can actually add to that, but reflect the, uh, the world that we're living in right now, the affordability crisis, which is top of mind, as we said, to, to nearly everyone in Toronto and um, provide a level of um, incremental change that I think is something that people can actually get quite comfortable with and, and grow to love. So by bringing a pilot program forward to Beaches Seashore, we're going to take a look at a couple different sites here. Uh, you know, we're going to go out to market and, and there's still very much defining what exactly that's going to look like, what the site is going to be, how we're going to partner with, you know, nonprofit or private sector to do this. But this is an opportunity for us to kind of kick the tires on it, um, see what works, what roadblocks are in place, what barriers we need to remove. And you can look at the entire development continuum, um, everything from development charges, parkland dedication, um, but even things like, uh, you know, how, how a site interfaces with um, our, our different commenting partners, uh, you know, urban design, heritage, um, engineering, uh, ECS, water, all of that stuff that, that quickly makes a project very complicated. If mm -hmm. we want these things to work, um, and the, the development and building community that we're going to be working with to roll these out, you know, it's not necessarily the big players, it's actually uh, smaller builders. And this kind of leads into the affordability conversation. I mean, it's, this is not a panacea for affordability, it's a supply conversation, and it's right. about more options. However, you know, it quickly becomes um, not practical, or, or frankly, impossible to build some of these with our current, you know, financing regime. And so we're going to look at that in Beaches East York. We're going to understand what those challenges and barriers are. We're going to get something built. We're going to learn lessons from this exercise. And ultimately, you know, if we look down the road in the next few years, we want to come up with something that we can roll out across Toronto in, in all of our different neighborhoods. That sounds great. And I think there's a couple things to unpack from, from, from what you just said. I, I guess first off is that there are a lot of moving parts, obviously. Like number one, uh, you know, right now, uh, um, you know, the way the process works, getting a lot of this type of development that we're talking about, more innovative, out-of-the-box style development, it's hard to get off the ground. And so I guess is, is one of the, um, I guess things are going to look like, look at broadly through this case study is a way of sort of streamlining the overall process to get all these different, uh, um, you know, groups who are obviously involved in the approval and, and, you know, the initial proposal and everything sort of, I guess, moving more in sync than perhaps has been the case in the past. I think even more than streamlining, I would say we need to reimagine and create a new process. In fact, we cannot have the same process for a triplex that we do a 60 story tower. And sure. right now it, it's basically the same thing. And we treat those uh, as projects as the same and they're not, um, you know, our, we're, we're obviously doing a review of development charges right now and, and municipal financing. And that's important work that has to go hand in glove with this exercise. Um, but as, as we said, there's neighborhoods where we're actually experiencing population decline. So the idea that adding incremental or gentle density to certain parts of the city, that there is a incremental additional cost with that, we need to under, unpack that and understand that a little bit more. And again, from a policy perspective, if we as local government elected leaders say, this is something that we want to pursue, this is something that we want to see and achieve and unlock, well, then there's also an obligation for us to put a process in place that helps achieve that policy outcome. And I, I find that frustrating in government. I think that you can look at a lot of different sort of 
policy objectives that we have that we put in place and there's good merit for that. But then we also simultaneously have process that actually makes it really difficult to achieve those policy outcomes. Mid-rise is a, is a really good example when we look at our avenues, how difficult it is to, to make a mid-rise performer work in this city, yeah. uh, despite us stating that we very much want to see mid-rise on our avenues. And yet we have not seen a prolific increase of that over the past decade. I mean, there are some wins out there and certainly examples that we can point to, but uh, we're still not there yet. So I would say it's a reimagining of the process. It's, it's right-sizing the process to sort of pair with the, the, uh, the, the size of the applications and the policy outcomes that we want to achieve. And it has to be, uh, you know, a whole of government kind of approach coordinated, not just from a planning perspective, but municipal finance, uh, all of the, you know, 40 plus different commenting divisions that review, review development applications. You're right, it does need to be streamlined. But I think equally important, you know, we need to make sure that the, uh, the process is there to help support the policy outcomes that we want to achieve. And I think it's, a, it's an important point you raise about, you know, like the mid-rise apartment example, um, you know, along along the avenues. Because I think when people think mid-density, that's the first thing that pops into their mind is maybe a six, eight-story, you know, condo that takes up, you know, maybe a part or, or a full sort of city block and there's some retail on the bottom. And you're right. I mean, it, it, it is tough to, to to make that the numbers work on a project like that just because of the, the value of the land vis-a-vis, you know, what, what the market will bear in terms of selling those units and 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 what have you and I guess it gets me to the to the point that there, there's probably there, there's more and you've said it yourself more to the missing middle than just sort of a, you know a traditional mid-density type of development and, and I thought it was interesting that you mentioned you know a, a larger house in in your ward that you know may have at some time had four or five people living in it parents kids and and, and what have you and now it's a couple of uh, you know parents that are left in a, in, a, in a larger house. And, and we had actually had research done on that by, by Cancia a few years ago, where we looked at, you know, the, the number of empty bedrooms uh, that exist, you know, not only in the city of Toronto, but, but around the GTA and, and the types of opportunities that, that may exist there as well. And so I, I, I don't want to try to nail you down on, on sort of specific uh, case study developments that you may be looking at, because it sounds like that's still sort of working its way through the, through the process. But, you know, do you think there's, there's, realistic opportunities where you'd be looking at you know some of these larger older homes that exist in a lot of neighborhoods through our, you know throughout the city of Toronto that that would be the starting point to get a little bit of that you know gentle density from a you know a, a large single family home maybe that starts to look at look like a you know a, a legal triplex or a quad like you mentioned in other cities like Boston and what have you where where there's been some success there yeah and and I think it it um, it goes back to the fact that today, you know, if you wanted to take that existing larger house and and turn that into a triplex or a triple decker, as they would say in Boston, yeah. Yeah. you know, the the development charge regime regime right now would make that so cost prohibitive that you would never do it, and and so people don't do it. It's it's an interesting example, you know, when you when you consider. Um, the type of new builds that we see in lot line to lot line, maximum coverage, you know, variances, uh, pushing the limits on, on lot coverage, and you end up with these, you know, really large houses, sometimes on tight, tight sites. And, you know, maybe you could have a, you know, a, a larger family living in there. Maybe there's six or seven people living in there. However, if you wanted to take the same exact building envelope, and have that subdivided into three units with three individuals living there, it would be triple the cost. 
right? And so right. that's what I mean where, you know, left hand's not talking to the right hand in terms of our policy objectives, adding new housing supply, gentle density, and yet our municipal finance regime is set up in, in a way that that breaks the performa and you could never do it. So there's actually a bigger impact, you know, in terms of, of bodies and resources, six folks living in the large house versus three individual apartments. And yet the three individual apartments are going to be hammered on the municipal right. finance piece. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a very interesting point. I mean, as you say, there, there, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think you're you're to be applauded for you know you know taking this on and and uh, you know looking at ways that you know we can work through some of this. You know, I guess. I don't know if deadlock's the right word, but it, it's certainly difficult right now to, to get what seemed like, you know, sensical projects um, off the off the ground. But um, you know, I, I think we'll have more conversations about this as we as we move down the road. But just just maybe a final question, like in terms of sort of process and and, and timing. Like if we were to talk six years from now like what what would you hope or where would you hope to be sort of in the process of 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 sort of unpacking this case study well i think that you're you're going to see a report in the spring coming back to uh to planning and housing committee on the expanding housing options in our neighborhoods ehon uh, and it's going to talk a little bit about this we're going to have a site identified in beaches east york uh, we are we're in the process of talking to builders talking to stakeholders right now about what this could look like what could a process where the city partners with nonprofit uh, or the building community to deliver one of these projects on a city site what does it look like with respect to a baked in affordability um, you know on, on a project like that we're going to want to achieve some affordability um, in, in the units that we're bringing forward. And, uh, you know, I, am hopeful that, um, in the not too distant future, we can, uh, we can get out to the community, do some consultation around this. And again, the pilot approach is important because we have to bring people along with us. If we actually do want to create sustained, um, change here in the city of Toronto, uh, you can't ram the process through. You got to build coalitions of support and bring people along. And, and change is always difficult. Change in our neighborhoods is amongst the hardest uh, conversations and meetings that we can have. Um, but, you know, I think that the, the tone on council is shifting. Um, certainly there are folks who are stepping up and showing political leadership on this file, which is what we need. That kind of goes back to where we started. You know, you're on the civil service, you're writing the policy, you move to the political side, you're actually driving it, driving those conversations. That's why I put my hand up in Beaches East Shore to get this going. Because uh, you got to make the most of every day you got in a position like this. You don't want to waste any time. And you got to be there to, to drive that sort of positive change that you believe in. Even if it's not necessarily a, a big vote getter or a winner, uh, even if we're having a super, you know, kind of niche policy and bylaw conversation. Um, these are the changes that uh, I think when you look five years down the road, success would look like having a missing middle option as of right process introduce these type of, of housing options in all of our neighborhoods here in Toronto. And uh, I think uh, if, if we can land on that, that would certainly be a good marker for success. It would change the way that we live in this city and it would provide a whole hell of a lot of options for a lot more people. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, you mentioned as of right. And I think that's really important because, you know, you need to get back, you know, past, uh, the, the stage where you're looking at, you know, all of these on sort of a one-off 
um, sort of piecemeal basis because you know in a lot of cases and, and your point's well taken is that you know you can achieve a lot with you know smaller projects when you're talking about the missy middle but not if they're all going to have to go through basically the same process as a 50-story condo would in, in order to, uh, to to get approval so I think that you know that's a key goal is, is, is sort of using these case studies as a way to see you know more of this type of development uh, um, and and the process to get it done you know streamlined so uh, you know I, I'm hoping that maybe as we move towards the fall we can we can have you back on brad to, to talk a little bit more about you know where we are in the process and 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 sort of what's been achieved and, and maybe some of the i guess hurdles that uh that still need to be overcome yeah gonna be lots of things to work out and uh certainly your membership and folks if they want to get in touch and, and talk about uh you know the things that need to be addressed uh we're here for that all years and uh would love to come back on and, and give you an update in a few months well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it again, Brad Bradford, uh, counselor for uh, for Beaches East York, and uh, he's uh, uh, deeply involved in uh, getting some Missy Middle housing off the ground with uh, some some new case studies that uh, hopefully will be going forward as we move through the, the the spring and fall of this year. Again, Brad, thank you very much for coming on today. My pleasure, Jason. Take care. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today's episode. If you enjoyed today's topic, we talk more about housing shortages in the GTA in the An Answer to Toronto's Housing Shortages episode. And you can discover more insights on the missing middle in TREB's Market Year Review and Outlook Report on TREB.ca. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B.ca to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate, and thank you for tuning in.